This is not Total Request Live. It's more like Total Request Dead. Hey, you see, ladies, we've only got one request today. And that's to kill you. Maybe you can hum the theme song. Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong. While the memory's not too strong, there's a piece of you from a time long gone. So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain, question we ask is still the same. Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome to another episode of Is This Still Good? I'm your only host, Gavin Murray. Son of a bitch. Wish me we have a guest. <laughs> And I guess a co-host, um, Sage Bilderback, joining me once again. He got my name right this time. And uh, joining us on the ho- on the podcast, Krista, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, uh, I'm Krista Llewellyn. I'm a makeup artist in Los Angeles, and I love this movie quite a lot. <laughs> this movie, in case you didn't read the... Uh, title of this episode and just clicked it blindly and put it into your ear holes which bold yeah proud of you if that's the case uh i'm impressed kudos to you so what episode is this (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about josie and the pussycats now before we get into that krista do you want to talk a little bit about where you're from and like what childhood was like leading up to this thing entering your life yeah, so I am one of the rare people in Los Angeles that was actually born and raised here. I grew up in San Fernando Valley, so yes, I am a valley girl. Um, but I always never, like, I never really clicked with that sort of, like, valley girl mentality mm-hmm. or the sort of, like... Was that around, like, for Like, was that a real oh, thing, yeah. or is that just invented by movies? Oh, oh, wow. Oh, no. No, no, no. I know several girls who talked like that. And my theater teacher tried to, like, beat us out of saying like. <laughs> Anytime we said like, she would just berate us about it. No, it's, it's a bit before our time, but, like, I, well, <laughs> I heard that the Nicolas Cage Valley Girl movie actually kind of... So what is it? Like, there's a Frank Zappa Valley Girl song, and then life kind of imitated arts and a movie popularized it, and then it was a thing. And I don't yeah. know, do, do you know yeah. anything about this actually being a Valley Girl? Um, I don't know much about that necessarily. I don't think I've seen the Nicolas Cage Valley Girl movie. Um, you know, I... <laughs> You lived it. You don't need to. Yeah, exactly. Lived it. (laughs) Oh, I also never wanted to watch uh, Clueless. Like, I didn't see that till much later in life. I think, like, maybe later high school or college, Mm -hmm. just because I was like, I don't don't need to see that. I live it. And I went to Catholic school. I'm worried to ask, but did you wind up loving it, though? Because that movie's incredible. I did like it. Um, I didn't, I wasn't as, like, obsessed with it as I was Josie and the Pussycats, but. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> You're still in LA. Uh, are you yes. seeing this movie in theaters? You're old enough to see it in theaters? Yes, I was old enough to see it in theaters. Um, I think I was in fourth, I want to say I was in fourth grade. I was either in fourth grade excited for the movie or saw it in fourth grade. But I, when I looked it up, it was April 2001. So I think I was like 10. Um, but yes, I saw it in the theaters, was absolutely obsessed with it. My friends and I quoted it constantly. Um, it was like one of our movies that we were like really, really into. This is her so. space jam. <laughs> yeah, it's my space jam. <laughs> Got there in one, one degree. Did you form a band afterwards or not quite that? 
Oh, no. I I was one of the people who desperately wanted to be in a band, but never... First off, I have don't really have much musical prowess. I can sing, but I don't know, like, making songs and all of that. And none of my friends really were into it. I mm-hmm. made a fake band in high school that I called Emerald Eyes. And I, like, had my different friends and I made a a MySpace page about our band, but we never yeah. actually like met up or played anything or <laughs> practiced <laughs> any of I, that like an actual band does. <laughs> I had a band in high school and we had a MySpace. It was a strange time. Uh, I remember for the longest time being able to go look it up and still listen to our uh, questionable jams oh from the era. <laughs> Did they you actually have a very clever name? Uh, we went through some changes. We started out, we were called um, Fancy Pants Charlie and the Soldiers of Boogie. <laughs> which my mom pointed out could be shortened to the SOBs. She was like, that's really punk rock, which made it very not punk rock. <laughs> um, and then we changed our name to Quadradog, which is what it remained. And then we also had a Splinter side project. Actually, we had two side projects. One was called um, The Bloody Skulls, which was our, our, our Brit like death metal band. Then we also were part of Arcadia Gadar which was our punk offshoot. So we really had our bases covered. We were ready to take on the world. Yeah, you got a, a band for uh, every situation. Now, yeah. which of these were successful that I can go see in 2021? Well, we never found our Alan Cumming. <laughs> we were just waiting for someone to show up with a, uh, what do they call those? Like the crystal crystal CD cases. And uh never <laughs> had that moment, unfortunately. It's a, it's a good moment. Uh, myself, I was in a Josie and the Pussycats cover band, <laughs> only covering songs from from this movie. Mm-hmm. Man, I do, I do love, I do love the soundtrack. I was in yeah. a couple bands in high school. Uh, there was a band called The Heists, which is the only name that I'm a little proud of because there's a plural to heist, and it's rarely used. I think we're all individually a heist. Oh, yeah. But then someone stole our instruments, so it was a tragic and ironic uh, end. Yeah, no, I did not see that coming. They'd been plotting it for a long time. Yeah, I always dreamed of being in a band, but never, never was. Just just beyond my reach. There's still time. There's still, I don't know if there's time. I'm in my (laughs) 30s. I got a cat now. Who's going to watch my cat? Cats are very punk rock, though, just just to confirm that. So this came out like fourth grade for you. I'm trying to remember if I even remember it coming out. I definitely missed it, but I had weird middle school years where like it just is like an empty vacuum to me sometimes. Oh, yeah. Insane. But I like strangely, it's one of those things that stuck sticks out in my memory because I wanted my hair to be just like Josie's. I wanted the like red in my my growing up. My hair was like strawberry blonde. Mm -hmm. So it was like. I was a ginger, but it wasn't that like fiery red that she had, and I desperately wanted my mom to let me dye my hair to be that color, and then wanted to get the the chop with the flip. I was going to say, like, that is a very voluminous hairstyle. Yeah. I'm still not entirely sure how those things happen, because I've always been like kind of afraid of hair dye, which is a little silly, but like, I'm deeply unsettled by barbers and anybody touching my hair and like a... professional manner because i just don't understand the language uh-huh. so uh-huh. like that era and like the 80s when like hair was big 
it just seems very frightening to me. Like there's like when you introduce heat to hair, I'm worried it's going to like fall out. I don't know. It's it's deeply makes no sense. My my fear for hair products and stuff. But. I mean, that's how I've been getting haircuts. <laughs> it can it can happen. Your your hair can Thank fall you for out. Validating and it my can fears. it can burn off. Um, luckily, in the God, especially in college, I dyed my hair every month myself. Um, so I'm very lucky to have the hair that I have. <laughs> I mean, I guess it generally grows back. Yeah, it gen- it generally it, it does you, grow back. If you avoid like deep chemical burns, which yeah, you know, now I feel bad in case we have listenership who has that. Well, but... I also think you've been thinking of radiation and not heat <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> you know, you you might be right. Yeah. Did now, this Sage... movie have any uh, influence on your on your career path? Because there's some great styling, some good makeup. Um, not this movie in particular. Um. I do think that it had some influence on my own personal like style, um, like uh, you know the the t shirts that have the sleeves cut off, but it still has like the the regular like t shirt neckline and it's sort of short and it's like band t shirts and all of that. Um, it is interesting. One of the things I had written down was that this is like a perfect time capsule of the early like late nineties, early two thousands. And especially with the hair, you sort of see the, like, 70s influences because her hair is very much like that Farrah Fawcett sort of blowout. But it was also interesting, another thing that I, like, caught on to it watching it the second time. But her hair looks like a cartoon version of a cat. Like, if you think (laughs) of, like, a Disney, like, female cat, it has that sort of, like, flip up to her sides. So I thought that was a very interesting choice that they made. Yeah, lots of body glitter in this in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> That's another thing I noticed, is especially being like you know more high definition, it's just a lot, I, lot of lot. I feel of like glitter. I don't miss body glitter. It just looks like a lot of a lot of work. It's bad for the environment. I, and it's just gel with glitter. <laughs> it's just literally hair gel that you slather all over your body. Yeah, fashion's weird. Yeah, it is. So, Sage, did you grow up with this movie? I don't know about grew up with. I've definitely seen it a couple of times. It's been a movie that I I remember the first time I saw it in middle school, liking it. I've seen it once since. And always in the back of my mind, like, I knew it was a little bit better than a lot of the other movies coming out at the time, but I I couldn't really put my finger on why. Definitely got clearer thoughts this time around. But what did stick for me is I listened to the soundtrack a lot. Uh, specifically that opening three small words number. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not listen to any of the du jour Opening stuff. du jour, uh, backdoor lover. That was a big backdoor lover fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I did. I found not too long ago an, an old mixtape or CD to be more accurate uh, that I just put in my car in high school. And like the opening track was three small words and then it goes all over. But that, that song's always been... It's a bop. Important to me. It's a bop. It's a good, it's a good song. Well, and most of this movie is, it's just a mixture of montage and music video with some like story spliced into it. And I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah. To be honest. (laughs) It's a very early 2000s movie in, in every single way. Oh yeah. All right. So as the uh, 
most newly initiated. I'm going to take a crack at. Yeah, Gavin, how many times have you seen this? <laughs> exactly the one time uh, earlier this week. That's exciting. All right. So and, what happens in this movie? All right. So we're introduced to three friends in a rock band. Their names are Josie, Melody, and Valerie. Uh, they're rocking out um but it turns out that they're kind of you know just playing like bowling alleys and like high school style like band contests they haven't exactly made it yet um and while you know Josie knows that she is ready to take on the world as a punk rock singer they just haven't had their chance yet so they decide to put together the power of positive thinking and they are immediately discovered by a british uh, A&R man who's played by Alan Cumming he's like I'm gonna sign you immediately and they're like do you wanna hear us play first and then he's like no <laughs> immediately they become international megastars unbeknownst to them though their music is being used to subliminally send marketing advertisements to the children of the world the youth of the world as like their friendship becomes challenged by stardom um Josie is mind controlled into becoming a solo act, but then their friendship overpowers that. There's some attempted murder by the A&R label. The FBI is kind of involved, and thankfully they destroy the mind control machine and play a genuine concert. And it turns out they did rock all along, and it wasn't just mind control. I I think that's the movie. I think right. that's pretty inclusive there's two important subplots that that went missing um there's uh there's there's a small love story that's that's very late 90s and playable alan the most handsome man in riverdale is he though there's uh multiple (laughs) movies around this time that revolve around people not realizing and discovering that rachel lay cook is the most attractive woman to ever have lived there's more than one movie with this plot. <laughs> it's crazy to me. What's the other movie? She's all that. I thought that started Amanda Bynes and came out much later, but maybe they remade it. I don't know. That's a, I don't know. I feel like yeah. there's several. I mean, it's a, it's a common movie, but the <laughs> the most famous one for that. Thought you were talking about not another high school. Well, they have. I mean, that is one of the ones that's very lampooned and not, not another, another teen, teen movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, where they literally take that character as like, we're gonna make you over and he just removes their glasses and lets down their hair and it's five seconds long. It's, it's like, you're beautiful bit. now. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but back to this one. So, I missed yeah, the you're, love story. Yeah, you're also missing the, other... the, the big capital, like, anti-capitalist right. plotline of the literal This is a very subversive movie. Everywhere. <laughs> you mentioned the subliminal. I was saying you never mentioned du jour. Oh, that, yes. That is true. Du jour, du jour. Tell us How about du jour. <laughs> well, yeah, so my entry point to this movie, again, having never seen it, is um, I sit down and am treated to the lyrical stylings of du jour. A super boy band, super group boy band with Turk from Scrubs. I'm really bad at actors' names. This is true. You should know three of these people Seth for sure. Seth Green? Yes. yes. Seth Green. The uh, werewolf from Buffy. Not Brendan Fraser, but kind of looks like Brendan Fraser and is in Clueless. Yes. I just forgot his name, but. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> He's delightful, whoever he is. 
And then a fourth person I've never seen before in my life. Yeah. Uh, Breck and Meyer is who you're... Breck and Meyer. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking of, yes. From Road Trip and... This is mm-hmm. good podcasting Go. where I forget names. But anyway, to the, back, the lyrical stylings of this group singing Backdoor Lover. I'm your backdoor lover. Smooth 2001 boy band jam, presumably about butt sex, but whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you know that I won't hurt you, so open up and let me in. We love each other way too much for it to be a sin. Yeah, they start to uncover the plot, I think, and then Alan Cumming just jumps out of a plane and leaves them to crash in the Andes and presumably feed off each other like a soccer team. That was real. I just remembered. Now I feel sad. So one thing that I figured out watching it uh, this year rather than when I'm 10 is right off the bat you get, a, you get a clue that this might be a pretty clever movie when the boy band is named DeJure. <laughs> Didn't pick I, now, up on that when I was nine. <laughs> does DeJure mean anything? Is that mustard? It's – well, I mean it's like we know DeJure as like from menus and stuff, but it just means of the day. So it's a very Soup flavor of the jour. week band. Now I remember yeah. where it's from. It's just yeah. very replaceable and just able to be controlled by a, by an evil conglomerate music company. I also really liked the the use of like, whoa, 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 man. Du jour means friendship. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is, du jour means seatbelts. <laughs> <laughs> when they're crashing yeah. in the middle of everything. And, and that whole scene was one of the ones that like my friends and I would quote all the time. With the face. Oh, am I doing your face? Because it really is a good face. <laughs> They're all giving good face. I was trying to place this in also, because this is after Spice World, I'm assuming? Or before Spice World? After, I would say, it's, I think Spice World was like 98 or okay. 9 or something. And then yeah, how many also, of these movies are coming out right now? It's also got a lot of Zoolander in it. Yes. I, I did notice that this time around. Very, very Zoolander. And it, it, what was sad to me um, was that I feel like this movie doesn't get the recognition that it really <laughs> needs to because it was marketed as a, like, young girl movie, much like, you know, <laughs> Legally Blonde and, like, Bring It On and those things. When you watch them now, you're like, oh, these are actually kind of just, like, funny comedies. Mm-hmm. But because they're girl movies, they're like, oh, they're just for the young teen girls. Like no one really cares about them. It's like well, no, there's there's pussy jokes in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I did see all those other girly comedies though. I just I don't exactly know how and why I missed this one. Granted, I was yeah. ten. Yeah, I do want to go back and like watch some of these and just find out how much stuff I missed. <laughs> well, it's like I took forever to see Mean Girls, and that's another just like there's so much good shit coming out that time, like comedy wise. I don't know how much. DNA those or not DNA but like writers are probably moving around and working on some of these properties there's you know people inspiring each other and like you probably have like a small movement of like really good uh, I'd be very curious especially between Mean Girls and Josie to to find out what kind of creative uh, overlap there is because uh, Tara Reid in this is basically uh, Amanda Seyfried's character from Mean Girls <laughs> Just I don't know what that what that trope is titled. Well, uh, I mean, and, and that character does go back to the comics and the cartoon. Is like Melody is the blonde airhead, which you know, brand new joke. No one had ever made a blonde, <laughs> of course, the less intelligent friend before. 
Let's just but it is it, it is it Tara Reid's best. <laughs> it is quite possibly one of her most well acted. She is. It's right up there with Sharknado. <laughs> yeah. She's having so much fun in this movie. Yeah. That that is that was one thing like watching this movie. There's times where like there's also like it's shot by um why am I forgetting his name Matt Libatique. Oh my god, <laughs> Darren Aronofsky's uh... yeah like all star DP. Um, and there's like a lot of times where this movie looks beautiful, and sometimes where it just looks like they had to do it really fast. And it's kind of an interesting balance of like. I think everyone just kind of had a good time and they had a lot of money to spend is how it feels. But it does seem like they had one day to uh, shoot all the music videos. <laughs> so part of the reason like I'm not alone in missing this movie is it doesn't seem like anyone saw this movie when it came out in terms of their uh, how they did at yeah. the box office. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I don't think it was quite as well. Like I said, because it was it wasn't really marketed as like this big comedy. It was it was. For people like me at the time, who was a fourth grader, <laughs> yeah, but there were a, a few. Grade girl. There were a few young fourth grader girls in the world at that time. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I like it. It it was a, because it is very much like a a counterculture thing and, mm -hmm. and sort of you know anti like establishment, anti like <laughs> consumerism, while and still all like that. packing so they got. I hope they got paid out the butt in... They uh, didn't. They got paid for none of those. Really? They just, they just got, like, up, the allowances for them. I think they I think they kind of just put up the things. I don't... From what I know, from what is rumored, I think, when I researched things, mm -hmm. they didn't ask anyone if they could do those things. Wow. I mean... I, they certainly didn't get paid for it. That's a, that's what I remember reading yeah. recently. I would assume that they got no, allowances. Like, I didn't actually look in yeah. the credits to see if, like, you know, they have those, like, you know, Target logo used with permission from Target Inc. But I, <laughs> see, so that would have been like I, I would have been. I don't I don't know whether to be happy or sad about that because it's kind of rebellious not to take corporate money, but at the same time, like, if you yeah, can take out. corporate money and be, I guess. Then they might have been more beholden. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, then they're, then uh, all those brands would have uh, say Some over say movie. what's what's happening. But you do you have a Target plan in this movie. Uh, she's showering in the bathroom. McDonald's shower. Yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> that is. Uh, there's uh, AOL signs. Uh, the one of the girls that's like doing Josie's nails when Josie gets brainwashed. She has like an AOL sign on her, sh and I'm like, wait, AOL's <laughs> doing people's nails? I don't. Kind of lost there, but okay. <laughs> but my absolute favorite, my favorite shot in this movie is a love conversation at the aquarium, which it just has uh, a manatee or a, or a whale or something in the background and a giant Evian logo oh, yeah. for drinking water. It's gorgeous. It's brilliant. It is not subtle. <laughs> so when I was in, I think, high school, person came to our school to talk to us about advertising and the way it was getting slicker and like what anti-capitalism looked like and where the how the line was blurring and this movie is a really fun like i'm still not sure which side of the line it really winds up on <laughs> but i kind of love it for that more yeah that's very interesting that your school would actually have <laughs> yeah we had a speaker like they showed me my favorite one of my favorite ads, actually, as like a see how smart they're getting. And it was like this Sprite ad with this basketball player who like comes out and he's like, after a game, 
I like to, I've got a thirst that needs quenching. And then it, like a little cartoon character of him shows up holding a bag of money. And then he goes, and the only thing that can quench my thirst is Sprite. And then he's like. More bags of money. More bags of money. It's delightful. I mean, I think since I grew up in, like going to Catholic school for so long, I don't, I don't think that they would necessarily want to fully have us not believe in, in like subliminal advertising and, and mind control yeah uh, but they certainly did it for dare i remember them like talking about like oh look at the tobacco industries and how they're like advertising towards kids and wow. don't smoke i don't remember dare taking on tobacco that's kind of interesting oh yeah that was that was the big thing and <laughs> my my sixth grade teacher was also like a fa- uh, a close family friend mm-hmm. uh, and she's german and she likes smoking cigars and i remember being on a family vacation with her and she looked at me and she said, don't tell anyone at the school. Because <laughs> she was like the lead of the dare program or whatever. Speaking of dare, did you guys have that like, we had an anti-drinking and driving thing that I think happened at yes. a lot of other schools where like they just killed a bunch of kids basically. At your that. school? <laughs> they had a bunch of kids who like all of a sudden would put on white face paint and wouldn't talk to anybody for like a week. And they would just walk around as like that was the percentage of kids that would likely to die from drinking and driving in my high school. And then there was one kid who dressed up as the Grim Reaper and just walked around school like sanctioned by the school (laughs) to do that. It was a weird time. I'm surprised that a Catholic school didn't do that. We we did have it like at my high school. They brought in a car that was... um, it was like a don't drink and drive sort of mm-hmm. situation, and there was like brain matter on the car and like all of that. And I remember like some sort of like speeches of like <laughs> people reading like their experiences or whatever, but but uh, there was no theatrical mm-hmm. element to it. I mean, brain matter is pretty theatrical. <laughs> Were you given egg babies at any point? Did did Joe no. have no? Egg babies? I I only saw that in like TV shows and stuff. I Same. never had to do that. Did you have to and do I, that? My brothers yeah. did flower. Junior but, high health then... class. And uh, it's, not a, it's not a good analog to raising a baby, <laughs> mostly because I feel like when you have a baby at any stage in life, no one's allowed to just try to knock it out of your hand. <laughs> and that's all that happened with the egg babies is everyone else in school would try to make you fail by just murdering your baby in front of you. <laughs> so was, yeah. this, was this a fertilized egg or like an unfertilized egg? I think it was just like an egg, like yeah. No, it's from... not gonna hatch. I just, it's got a fragile shell, and you can't uh, break but it. But you could just buy another egg, then, right? Uh, it's got a yeah. mark. Yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> yeah, you can. You could buy another egg. Okay. I remember my my oldest brother did. They they had they did something like that, but it was a flour sack. And I think the purpose of that, I mean, it's still f- pretty fragile. Like stuff can like leak out of it, but I think. That was also the like having to like carry that weight around mm-hmm. with you too. Okay, but then when I got control, to yeah. that grade, they didn't do that shit anymore. So. <laughs> I was when you said that first, I was like, flower like a sack of flour. That's weird. Oh no, she means like a flower, like a, a living thing that you have to take take care of. That makes sense. That you guys didn't have sack of flour babies, <laughs> but no, it was a sack of flour. Okay, <laughs> and everyone tries to stab them so that you lose all your flour. <laughs> So, did you have to carry that around like for a week, like in I think, school, like, or did for you a just week? Take yeah, it no, home that was and... the whole thing. Is you yeah, need to it have like it a week. in school, um, so that there was accountability and 
other people could try to murder it. Because <laughs> otherwise you could just silly. keep your baby safely at home yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> okay. Did you guys have a problem? We had to have – so I, I lived out uh, – I went to high school out in like the Sticks and Occidental uh, or in Sebastopol. And um, there was a, apparently a big enough a problem with – I think they called it booting, which is just like, you know, not that many people had cars. People need to get places. Sometimes you'd get in the trunk of your friend's car. Mm-hmm. What? And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't think anyone died from it, but like we had to have like the school had to throw, you know, a big talk about like we need to stop. People need to stop going in the boots of each other's cars. It's very dangerous. You know, sit in a seat with a seatbelt. It was just very sincere and serious, and but like felt kind of surreal because it was a little silly. So, like, I I know in England they call it boot, but have you always been calling the trunk of a car a boot, or just in no, this never. situation? This was just booting. the first. Okay. This was introduced to me by the school. They're like, you need to stop booting, and then they described what would happen if you went off a cliff while you were in the boot of a car. And I was like, that's a the car will explode. Okay, that is that's not where my mind goes because like I know kids that would do that in my high school, but you know, growing up in Los Angeles, you're more worried about someone ramming into the back of your car. Right. That makes sense too. I mean, we had like mountain roads, you could presumably fall off the side of a mountain and roll 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 little ways. But the danger would still be there if you were in the passenger seat than if you True. were in that's I guess why it felt I seriously. guess you would be a bit more strapped in yeah. but <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah no gavin that's that's a nuts problem to have <laughs> you said it so casual like i grew up backwards too but no one was in well there was just less of you though right i mean yeah there are more <laughs> moose than people <laughs> And you never had the problem, like, with your moose when you got the moose in the car. Like, you can't really fit them in the boot of a car, I guess. Not unless it's moose from Archie. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) If this movie had done well, do you think we would have had an early, like, Archie cinematic universe? Because there was was an Archie movie at some point, right? I'm not making that up. Not that I recall, actually. I I just assumed there was... If we got a Richie Rich movie. We've had multiple Archie TV shows. Multiple? Yeah. Yeah, throughout I mean, the years. So tons. I can think of a lot of cartoons. Was there another live action one pre-Riverdale? No, no, no. I'm talking about cartoons. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Archie's Weird Mysteries was one I remember growing up on. Where, again, basically Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and we've had multiple Sabrina shows, which for anyone right. not yeah. aware is part of the same universe somehow. <laughs> So what was interesting that I was reading about Josie and the Pussycats is that they had a lot of like fights with Archie comics itself because at the time Archie was very like they have to keep to this very conservative Christian sort of lifestyle and they kind of butted heads with the like movie makers about it and hmm. that's why there's a like a quick shot of them brushing their teeth because they specifically <laughs> wanted we they requested them showing them brushing their teeth to keep with that, like, sort of, like, wholesome, you know, vibe. That is nuts. Uh, yeah, so I feel like that's why we don't have much Archie at that time, like, okay. post, post well, Josie and, and the Pussycats. Because I don't think the they were newer. happy with it. And now we have uh, a now, show where Sabrina is the daughter of the devil or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, now it's on a complete 180 because I think they probably just had some like old guy at the head of Archie Comics and was like, no, we have to keep with our conservative lifestyles and wholesome content. And then he got out. Some young guy came in and was like, no, 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 no one wants to see that. Everyone <laughs> Times have changed and we need to change too. <laughs> Get out of here, Archibald. Some Satanism. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do a complete 180. Yeah. People will love it. And I mean, that change did happen in the comics first too, I think. Yeah. But. Yeah. So this movie also exists in a grand tradition in movies of fake bands, movies about fake bands, which there's a lot of those movies that are my favorites. Uh, Scott Pilgrim's the first one that that comes to mind. Uh, Spinal Tap, Pop Star. Like this is this is a genre I truly love. And when I was looking into Josie and the Pussycats a little more, I discovered a lot of those bands and a lot of the songs from those bands are all written by the guy from Fountains of Wayne, <laughs> which is crazy. He, along with, with some other uh, indie bands at the time, uh, wrote a lot of the music from, I think it's Adam Schlesinger. And he also yep. wrote the theme from That Thing You Do, uh, the Tom Hanks movie, and a lot of the music on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And oh, I didn't know that. has possibly had a more lucrative and successful side career <laughs> than as a of traveling and performance <laughs> artist. Yeah. Because <laughs> Fountains of Wade, I really only know the Stacey's Mom song, a song that I tolerate because it's silly, but I don't think is good. And so many of the songs he's written in movies, I've, I've three small words, uh, I've listened to way more than Stacey's Mom. <laughs> that thing you do is a jam too. Yeah. I don't have a lot of memories about that movie. I know I've seen it. Uh, but the the song's good. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I I'm very curious to see. I tried looking it up, but I couldn't find anything. Who were the singers of Dijor? Because it does sound just like In Sync or Backstreet Boys. Yeah, like maybe they got the like you know the the B the B part of yeah they get BB <laughs> Mac or Boys. someone. Yeah. yeah, it feels like if they could have afforded it, they could have just done a one to one. Which like seems like marketing left on the table, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I wonder if they could have just had Backstreet Boys as is as the band that, that puts I mean, they've already got um all the, the TRL and MTV stuff willingly mm-hmm. making fun of itself with Carson Although, Daly playing Carson not... Daly murderer. Yeah. <laughs> that was a weird moment. I don't that was probably my least favorite part of the movie, I think. It was the thing that, like, it still worked, and it was fun, but it was the stretchiest. But it sparked a romance. <laughs> that was that was where Tara Reid and Carson Daly met. Oh, real-life romance. Real-life romance. They, they got, like... Oh, I thought they were already dating. I thought that was, like, no, why Carson Daly met. would be in the movie. <laughs> it's like, I really like the way you, like, threateningly hold a bat towards me. I think, I think there's... I'm feeling something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You also get a very uncomfortable uh, impression of Bill Cosby during that moment. Yeah, I I, I did note that down. Uh, it's a different, it lands differently now. I feel like during this period of time, there's a lot of comedies that will just stop to have an impressionist come on to the screen for a couple of minutes and just do a lot of celebrity impressions. I don't miss that. No, I mean, it's always good to see, uh, is it Ariel or Relly? The, um... He's from Mad TV. He's impressionist. Mm-hmm. I really like, and you know, he's knocking it out of the park with his bits. But they don't need to be in the movie. <laughs> there's, there's quite a lot of things that don't really need to be in the movie, but good point. choices. 
L&M, for instance. Does he need to be in the movie? I don't think yeah, he Yeah, I'm trying to picture the movie without him. Like, he is so barely I mean, you described to... the movie without talking about him. I did forget him, about so. him, yes. That is true. That was a moment I really enjoyed, though, was when she's like, oh, I've got to go to his concert. And then Alan Cumming comes in and is like, oh, no, no, no. He called. He said, the concert's off. Don't worry about it. She's like, oh, well, let me call him to check on him. He also said he will not be taking calls between, like, 9 p.m. and midnight. So maybe just try him tomorrow. Don't worry about it. All while, like, going to, like, semi-whisper onto his flip phone. (laughs) Who are you calling? (laughs) I'm busy, Josephine. (laughs) Alan Cumming is giving a very staged performance throughout this whole movie. And in most movies, even comedies, that doesn't work for me. 100% works for me. Every moment of Alan Cumming in this movie works for me. Yeah, this, and and we, I mean, Parker Posey. Let's talk about the Parky Posey of it all. (laughs) She is probably the best character, I would say, in all of this movie. I love her so much. Is uh, <laughs> Gavin, is that where you were getting your Zoolander vibes from? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, Mugatu, uh, probably Mugatu's sister, like easily. They're definitely from the same weird family. <laughs> uh, definitely both bullied his kids and took over an industry out of spite, which, you know, I don't hate to see it. Like, it's whatever drives you, I guess. Um. And the whole lisping thing was kind of strange, but yeah. the outfits, like especially the one where she's like, looks like a walking collection of cat toys. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> with the little feathers. My favorite part of that is the added sounds of the feathers. Oh, like the whoosh, like. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite, my all-time favorite scene is her and Joe's and like the gang in her like room. Like, oh Sit man, down, Josie, let's gossip. So uncomfortable. <laughs> it's girl time. Just, no boys allowed. Yeah, she like picks up a Pringle like. <laughs> such a pig (laughs) how much do you weigh (laughs) yeah oh Oh my god that was so awkward i weigh less i win (laughs) it's good good job reading humans parker (laughs) well and also apparently that character was instead of having a lisp she was supposed to have been fat Mm -hmm. when she was younger and then got thin but parker posey was like no let's not do that let's have her have a lisp (laughs) which is like yeah let's that's that's probably better I guess yeah. so. It's at the very least not something it's, you've seen in so many movies. Yeah. I mean, it's still still a little uncomfortable. I yeah, it's not great watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's like, not great. You don't have but, to make But fun the of character this, leaving but. that part out of it, delightful. And, like, mm-hmm. I know, um, Sage, you and I were watching this movie at the same time and texting, and I had paused it, and you got ahead of me and started referencing the FBI joke. <laughs> that is my favorite scene in the movie. Hands down. Uh, so the FBI is in on all of this. It's a, it's a very weird, you know, how, how I view the government is very different now in my 30s than how it was at the te- when I was 10, where I just thought everyone was competent all the time, and you just had to be really smart and qualified to get a job in government. <laughs> and hopefully had our best interests in heart. Yeah, that was that was the other the other part of it. Uh, so the FBI in this in this movie is cartoonish all represented by one guy who's just going along with whatever and is just he's just very dumb and there's a scene where parker posey reveals the whole plan to send and the fbi agent says they'll never see it coming and parker posey turns and under her breath murmurs and neither will you sorry what was that huh what no we used i i said 
they'll never see it coming. And you said, and neither will you. Did I? Yes, we all heard you. <laughs> and then this repeats like three times. <laughs> it just keeps doing the same bit. It's very good. <laughs> My Everyone favorite part is that her. she like tur- she tries to like flip it just by like oh I- I- I'm just gonna be a lady and like oh that was close to being a really <laughs> nice moment. moment. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to touch the little feathers that are around. <laughs> I love it. That's how I flirted when I was ten too. Yeah, Gavin, do you have a favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene is actually despite y'all wanting to cut Alan M out of this movie is when we meet her, she's like, Josie's also a mechanic, I guess. Uh, she can do it all. So Alan, Alan M drops by and is like, hey, can you fix up my car? Because I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, wow, you do not deserve this car, slash you're a danger to yourself and others in it. And he's like, yeah, but thankfully I have you as a friend to fix my car. And then like keeps hinting. How does that even like go? But it's like a very have 2000s... you ever needed to tell someone <laughs> yeah. something, but you're oh you're worried God. about how they will react? Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, this is it. This is where he tells me that he loves that he me. loves me. I hope those three small words don't come too late. <laughs> <laughs> and you skipped over the part where he he writes a very bad song about about his car taking his car for granted. Uh, no, I saw the scene where he writes a very good song about the car. So maybe you had the director's cut or I had the director's cut. It uh, is weird how much Alan M. feels like Archie in Riverdale, too, now going and watching, hmm. like, just a blonde blonde guy with a guitar. End of personality. Yeah. For the most part. That was kind of it. <laughs> I mean, that's all you needed I just, for I just a think Josie could do better. Time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, also that's what like, it is. There's nothing wrong with Alda, but like, it's Rachel Lake Cook. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, you don't right. need to flesh out a love interest. I feel like you know, it's not his story. Yeah, this I, is. I don't. This is 2001. Don't. Equality means that uh, a male love interest in a in a female story doesn't have to have a personality because <laughs> it's never yeah. been the other way around in this movie. <laughs> yeah, true. There's also, if I remember that scene correctly, she says he's not good enough for the car uh, because he's just driving it up hills like a madman, and you're not <laughs> supposed to do it in that truck that's too good for him. And I don't know if that logic holds up. Uphill when it's hot. Yeah. yeah, you can't drive it uphill when it's hot. You're not good when enough for this car. <laughs> it's totally fine. Unfortunately, he lives on a hill. Krista, favorite scene? <laughs> um, Yeah, favorite scene is definitely one of... The one with with Parker Posey and the gang in her room, but then also I do really enjoy where Tara Reid runs from room to room so that she could be in oh, two God. places at once. Yeah, just just beautiful, beautiful piece of acting. The I'm very also basic gonna... demonstration of uh, <laughs> oh, it'd be great if you could be in two places at once. You could be over here. And then over here, I just like hear- hearing her in the mm-hmm. back of the conversation that's happening in the foreground. I've never liked Tara Reid more than in this movie. Uh, I've also got a soft spot for the scene where she's just singing, if you're happy and you know it, uh, clap your hands in the oh, shower. God. And she drops the uh, the soap or the loofah and comes back up and just does it all again. And she's just <laughs> surprised every time. And then screams at the message written 
But the thing that's scary isn't the message written, but the fact that there isn't a heart over the eye and a smiley face in the O. Well, also that comes back to later when they're walking into the classy party and you've got Josie being like, I'm not good enough for all the stardom. And then you've got Valerie saying like, Josie thinks she's too good for the rest of us and she's going to go on a solo career, that heartless bitch. And then it goes to Tara Reid who's going, if you're happy, (laughs) clap your hands. (laughs) From like a scene ago, and she's still just like clapping her hands in the middle of a party by herself. <laughs> it's a very well defined character. <laughs> I love that it's one of my first, it probably my first uh, exposure to Rosario Dawson, who's probably one of my favorite actresses. Oh God, we have not. And she talked shows about up in, and she like pops up in so many of the movies that like were influential to me as like a teenager and like throughout. Because um, you got shown life. kids really early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, Rosario Dawson from Kids. <laughs> yeah. So I just I think she's great. Yeah, I I, liked, I loved her here. It took me until like I think I really started to know her from Clerks too, where she's just like the most yeah. magnetic person in that movie by quite. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that was the first time yeah, I really noticed Rosario Dawson. I'd seen her in things before, but she'll always be Clerks 2 to me. Yeah. There's a, there's some uncomfortable jokes about her in this uh, in this movie. Just think like Christina Aguilera times three, but one is very tan. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or TLC, but two people are white. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do think that that... It's an interesting choice that they made because they do isolate her specifically. Yeah, consistently and she is the only woman of color. Yeah. Like it happens And so a lot. I do think that is a, it's a, that is an interesting like, critique. you know, yeah. critique on on the music industry in general. Yeah, cuz she's like they 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 uh when they're going to the party, they give invites to both uh Melody and Josie. And then they kind of make Valerie their plus one. Yeah. Which is fucked up. <laughs> it's also like going back to the cartoon, which I did go back and watch after this, which I hadn't seen before. And Ooh, it was a delight. Tell us about the cartoon. <laughs> the biggest fault I can say with the cartoon is that, thank God, they didn't just have Rosario Dawson playing the tambourine in the band. What? <laughs> Because in, in the comics and the cartoon, I think Valerie plays the tambourine, Josie plays guitar, and Melody plays a full drum kit. And there's just no bass. Uh, which is, I don't know, dumb. That's yeah. all. That's so crazy. Like Not, there not, was... to, not to say shit on tambourine players. Like, I know the Monkees had one. A lot of bands do. It feels like a... It's okay, you can be in the band too, though. A little bit. Again, no shit. I feel like there's a there's a period in history, and you can see this in TV shows at, at the same time, comics and cartoons. It was good enough for progress to just have a person of color in there anywhere. You didn't have to do anything to make them a character or make certain mm-hmm. they say enough lines. Just just having a black person in the band's good enough in the 60s or whatever this comes out. And you'll see now with a lot of the reboots, like people having to go above and beyond what's... Uh, what's what's created i feel that way about a lot of the new star trek stuff coming out as well well i think valerie did have as much of a character maybe not in the original comics but even by the cartoons point which this is a trope so like i don't know i'm not really defending it i'm just saying 
it was the version of like she's the smart one which you know like we you and i've been watching the thundercats and sure uh, <laughs> thunder thundercats roar specifically um, yeah the good thundercats yeah, well, I can't wait till we actually have someone who grew up with the Thundercats and cares about that show for some reason <laughs> that I will never understand. But basically, pretty easily coded that uh, I think Panthera, 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 Pandro, Pan Panthero. One of the characters is black, and he's the smart one who can you know do machines and stuff. He's the the purple teenage mutant turtle of the group. <laughs> All that to say, yes, it was it was uncomfortable, but like not a bad thing about this movie that was actually yeah. i felt like it was played well but it was uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable <laughs> yeah exactly yeah there were there were a lot of small small moments in this movie that that made me uncomfortable just separated with time but uh nothing as bad as i as i thought it might be <laughs> i was prepared to have some very outdated things i also before we move on like i loved du jour showing back up again in heroic <laughs> fashion in full body casts um to like really stick it to the man but they're all in full body casting can't do anything and they just kind of fall over it's just the three people that band we recognized were busy that day <laughs> <laughs> well i was just gonna say they aren't credited in the movie interesting if you At go all? if you go on imdb there they are listed as uncredited um, and the only and the only one who is credited is the guy at the end who you can actually see his face who survived because he knows the lyrics to Enter Sandman. <laughs> yes, because they they crashed into a Metallica concert, which I wasn't aware that Metallica fans were so hardcore. I mean, I thought they were the softest ones out of all the metal bands. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's uh, it's a weird choice to make it Metallica, especially like the exact time that it came out. Uh, Pick a more violent band. I feel I feel like Slipknot's starting. I told, I told yeah. Gavin at this time, and Slipknot's just yeah, famous it, for their fans fighting the band during the shows. Corn, yeah, or even suck like it, Slayer fans. Yeah, that's what we're doing, right? But what? Just, just to just to clarify, as a podcast, we're saying suck it, Metallica fans. Definitely, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, but uh, I'm not worried about reprisal from those cowards. <laughs> 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 that aside, Gavin. If we were to, in in some fashion, uh, figure out the quality level of this movie uh, across a threshold of metrics, mm-hmm. way bigger words than I needed to use to to say, how would we, how would our rating system go? Man, you're really putting me on the spot here. Uh, well, we might call it still good. We might call it better as a memory, or we might take it around back bury a deep hole, give it a really long straw and like put it in there and slowly cover it. So the straw is still sticking out and then put a little bit more dirt on the straw. I feel like we could have just jumped out of the plane it was in while, while it was yeah, still in go. flight <laughs> and never speak of it again. Never solve that mystery. Yeah. Your thing was too specific, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking, I mean, what? Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So is this still good? Better as a memory or is it something we should never speak of again? All right, uh, Chris, do you want to start us off? Uh, yes, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually uh, amend something. I'm gonna. I'm gonna add a fourth category. What? with a better, better with age? Well, Krista, thank oh. you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> but you're really overstepping. Better with age. Because I, I, I loved this movie as a kid. Like I said, like it was something that I grew up with and quoted a lot. But then at, when I saw it. As someone who like 
actually was in the world and especially someone like in like working in the entertainment industry I, I liked it so much more when I was an adult watching it for a second time because of all of the things that just like went completely over my head as a kid so I'm gonna say it's better with age wow I'm gonna not be mad at that. I would put better with age under the still good category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff we we review on this podcast that is Calm better down, than what Sage. I watch. You, you sound way too mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, well, relax, buddy. <laughs> this isn't a Metallica concert. <laughs> uh, I, I'll I'll echo a lot of that. This is this is a clever movie. And I got a lot more out of it watching this time than whenever the last time I saw it. I think I also watched it in college at some points. Uh, but it speaks a lot to the industry I'm a part of, an industry that I simultaneously love and really fucking despise sometimes. Yep. It's, it's a smart movie. Most of the jokes still work. It's uh, it's just all around uh, a movie that's more clever than it than it really needs to be for the story it's telling, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I want out of comedies, is make yeah. things smarter than they have to be. That sounds like it's still good to me. I started out by saying that. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's always a little funny describing something you've never seen as a still good or better as a memory. But, um, yeah, this was, this was a delight. I am not sure how I didn't see it for this long. It, it's not something I would, I think even when it came out, like, I may not have been listening to, like, pop radio and stuff which is like this is well this is lampooning that it's not it is riding that fine line of like there's a lot of earnesty in it but it's just having so much fun and is such heavy satire most of the time that it's just I, I, yeah I've got nothing more to say than it's just a really good time it's very clever a lot of the time almost all the jokes work for me so yeah I'm gonna do that awkward calling it still good even though I've just seen it for the first time <laughs> So no one has, uh, no one's going to write a dissenting opinion in this judgment. No, it looks like we got another, yeah, there's a lot of... Throw it right up there with Anaconda. (laughs) (laughs) In good pedigree. Yeah. Movies can be good for different reasons. Right, which is like, that's kind of the, I think, to be honest, I think I do tend to look at movies in like, you get three stars, that's full. It's either really good, it's fine. Or I, I don't want to talk about it is how I actually view most media in my life, and it's when it's in that middle ground that like sometimes you can have some interesting discussions about it that can bop it in either direction. But like some things are just a good time. <laughs> Josie is a is a good time. So when this eventually comes back around as a as a sequel as a mini series as a straight up recasted reboot of this movie uh because as we all know everything that we love will be fed back to us in a in a section that we call reboot time hold for bumper we're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s oh it's not a remake it's a reboot you see the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity what the fuck is a reboot so all they do now is recycle shit from the past We're working on less of a shriekle and, and more of a screaming expect us all not to notice i like it another so gavin krista fans writing in mm-hmm. if you were to see this today what form would you like to see a 2021 josie and the pussycats i think a sequel would be good of having the original cast be coming back and maybe you know dealing with something a bit more 
modern, so to speak, like Instagram and like social media and how that is doing the exact same thing that mm-hmm. other media at the time. Cause, cause this movie was also pre social media. So that, that, that sort of like weird, like hyper obsessiveness, <laughs> like came just from, from the music and all of that. It, it wasn't even that like added layer of having it just inundated in our lives, like constantly. Yeah. No, there um, were flip phones. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I think something like that and seeing seeing our girls struggle with being Instagram band celebrities or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and have they have they have they been famous this whole time? Because the movie ends with them still pretty much on top, right? I would like maybe maybe have it where they were big in the early two thousands and now they're more of a nostalgia, you know sort of thing though the early 2000s are coming back into fashion right now so that is true there would be that that like research we're hitting that as well so that 20 year uh mark we just went through a bunch of new jack music so uh it's coming <laughs> back well and, and like that could be fun too if you're exploring like indie labels because now branding is even more of like integ- it's more integrated into lifestyle and you're kind of living as a brand whereas I mean, I guess if you're in a band, it already was there. But anyway. Yeah. I would want to see, like I said, I went back and watched some of the cartoons, which I'd also never seen before, but knew existed. And the cartoons are like a pretty, they're very Hanna-Barbera, very, um, like, I, I think they have a manager named Alexander, who I think is voiced and just is like, let's put Shaggy in this in this story. Oh, so that explains a lot. Because he is in this movie and we never talked about him because it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And so that, that girl, uh, his sister, Alexandra, who's like the one who hates Josie and wants to steal L&M, she's one of the main characters. She's kind of the main character of a lot of the Josie uh, cartoons. More so than Josie. Josie's kind of like a one note, like just optimistic person who has a band and likes L&M. They're roadie. Um, but Alexandra is like a conniving witch. Like she does in the comics have magical powers sometimes. And her cat is actually her familiar, the cat that you did not see in this movie, but in the cartoon, there's a cat. It's where that, like, I can't do it, but like insert the, the creepy, like laugh thing that's in all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Like the cat is the one who does that Uh, in Josie and the Pussycat. There's a Salem in this or like, is the cat not magic past being able to The cat is sometimes magical powered in the comics. I don't think it has magical powers in the cartoon. All that to say, this band just goes around getting kidnapped by monsters and running into like evil scientists and stuff. And like, I love what we got as this Josie and the Pussycats movie, but I would not be opposed to like a girl group just tries to go play concerts throughout the world and winds up running into cryptids and evil scientists <laughs> and having to solve crimes uh, or not crimes, solve mysteries while also being a top charting band or like a up and coming band. Even I would rather see that honestly, but yeah, I want to see a girl group uh, that rocks, but also kind of has like i don't know maybe one of them's a martial artist maybe one of them's a demolitions person you know like give give me the mission impossible version of a girl group 
So if you're if you're explaining to the to this if you're explaining this to me as a, as a dumb studio exec, which I am in the scenario, what is kind of the tone of and are you pitching an animated series or or a live? Action oh no, version? live action, live, live action, action version of that. All right. So what is the tone uh, compared to something that already exists? What were those two movies we got with uh, the girl from Never Been Kissed? I should have these notes on hand. Which I'm sorry. which girl? <laughs> um, Charlie's Angels is not dissimilar, but like a little bit more like the CW version of Charlie's Angels, and they also have to rock. It's like the tone. So it's it's out there. It is silly. It is like you know bringing parts of like not a laugh track, but like those kind of like we're getting some dumb gags. We're getting places where you'd have a laugh track if it was not made currently. <laughs> And right. like I, you know, just I want to like more things to have a good time, and uh, you know, I I would like the monsters to be real. I think that's always more fun, and that's like Scooby Doo stuff when they have real monsters. You are in favor better. of uh, real monsters. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I only watched like a couple episodes, but like the first episode, they're kidnapped by Captain Nemo after he sinks their tour ship and tries to drown them at the bottom of the ocean. That shit's ridiculous. It's great. <laughs> that is. That is excellent. Uh, you you both in, inspired uh, some takes on me. I kind of want to see like a live action Harley Quinn, or sorry, not live action, animated uh, Harley Quinn style with that level of humor for uh, Josie and the Pussycats, especially when you put them in increasingly ridiculous uh, high concept scenarios. I'd also be down for a chilling adventures of Josie and the Pussycats. But uh, Krista's idea got me thinking... Um, I don't know if this is a movie for anyone else but me, but uh, the problems that they have to deal with 20 years later, especially with social media, but especially with streaming, because <laughs> everything yeah. in music and uh, movies shuts down every now and then when people try to figure out, all right, how do how do we pay people for how media is being consumed now? Oh, interesting. I want so just a Moneyball-style <laughs> drama about streaming <laughs> rights written by Aaron Sorkin. Well, so how are they doing that then? Are they like ref- only working with Apple Music, a la Taylor Swift, or are they creating their own uh, streaming service, a la Jay Z? Ooh, yeah, no, I want a title inspired. Ah, uh... oh, man, that, that's a good way to get like Alan Cumming and Parker Posey back in. <laughs> it's like having created a, a <laughs> new media all... and uh, profiting yeah. at it at the expense of of artists. Uh, there's something in there. I haven't been able to sit with the idea long well, enough to outline. That's it. kind of fun. They bring back, they bring back, um, P- Parker Posey and Alan Cumming and they're like, let's do this together. Let's build something that we can actually support music and like change it. And then, you it's know, the villains, <laughs> you can't, you can't, the villains like they're, they're, they're trying the best they can, but they can't help themselves. And all of a sudden the new empire that Josie and the Pussycats have built, starts consuming itself and just like becomes runaway capitalism and they have to stop their own creation. Yeah. I like that. It's a real Frankenstein's monster we got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you all liked Josie and the Pussycats, which it uh sounds like we overwhelmingly did, what are some other things that uh that you would recommend to us? Well, because no one else on this show would recommend Popstar, I'm gonna <laughs> hop in and just uh, you know, say that You're if you want to check out, <laughs> you do wanna... damn well how long I was going to talk about Pop Star if you let me. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't mean to take that from you. I'm sorry. I like, I like Pop Star. 
Pop, Pop, Pop Star is an excellent mockumentary. I feel like it's my generation Spinal Tap. It's certainly a movie that I like better than Spinal Tap uh, without putting any shame on that. You can also go watch Spinal Tap. Um, I'm I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw as many recommendations as I can for Scott Pilgrim, uh, which is another movie that had excellent artists come in and write the songs. Beck does uh, all the music for the main mm-hmm. bands. Metric does uh, the Clash at Demon Head, and it's the only movie in this genre that I like more. And I watch every year, and it's and it's great. And she changes her hair every week, Krista. <laughs> yes. Immediately after I watched um, this movie um, about like a few days ago, I watched School of Rock afterwards, which mm-hmm. was also just a fine, fine movie. But I on- I want to put in another one of the movies that I think doesn't. And mind you, I haven't seen this one as an adult because I don't know where to find mm. it on any uh, streaming services. But there was a movie called Sugar and Spice. That came out around the same time, and it is about a group of cheerleaders who one of them gets pregnant, and so they stage a bank heist to rob a bank at a grocery store to so that they can get the money to support her child. Um, and it's another great comedy that was marketed towards young teenage girls that i don't think got as much uh praise uh, mind you again i haven't seen it as an adult that sounds but wild I loved that movie as a kid yeah it's <laughs> a good log line yeah no i've never heard yeah. of this movie i would have no, assumed sugar like spice was a subtitle for spice world <laughs> yeah so and and yeah you could also throw in spice world in the recommendations i would also say Also, never seen it <laughs> i don't know if i've seen that either to be honest no, I, missed all I haven't seen movies. Spice World since I was a kid, so <laughs> I have no idea what that would be like now. I had a conversation the other day where someone was really standing up for uh, Britney Spears' Crossroads, mm-hmm. a movie that I also oh, did not see or have ever thought about. But I've got one strong I did strong try to see it. <laughs> I tried to watch it as a young child because I was into Britney Spears as, as, a, as a, a young lass. Um, but I couldn't get through that movie. That was because I, I was growing up. I didn't like girly movies, quote unquote, but it was just a thing is that I don't like poorly written movies. <laughs> I like well-written comedies. And so the certain like girly movies that I liked were actually just well-written comedies. <laughs> there are a lot of them that like just get all the same marketing. I feel like around yeah. that time, um, for my real recommendation, I'm going to recommend the commitments, which is a movie about an Irish soul band. Oh. Um, it's kind of a heavy film in a lot of ways, but it's also very fun. A very like it's first of all, it's a big band because it's a big part. They've got like three backup singers. Uh, they go through like several drummers and just like got a horn section. And it's this manager kind of trying to fulfill like his version of success is creating a soul band in Ireland. And it's very kooky. It's very indie. Um, but it's like really good and heartfelt. And I think it's based on. Um, like Ireland's most famous author's works. So, you know, it comes from a good pedigree. So yeah, check out the commitments. Will do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Krista, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I am on another podcast with a bunch of friends. We play um, a role play type D. It's like D and D. We don't play exactly D and D anymore, um, but it's called Dice Try. You could find that on all of your podcasting apps. Um, in the new year, I'm planning on starting a makeup YouTube channel. Uh, I was streaming a lot during the quarantine, and streaming is difficult, and sometimes I don't like trying new makeup looks uh, immediately live for people. So I'm going <laughs> to film them and edit them, and then put them on the internet, and hopefully that will be up maybe by the time this comes out. Who knows? Do you, want, do you um, have so just- that? name that you want to plug for that already or um it will be uh my instagram handle which is krista llewellyn mua um, which stands for makeup artist so you can follow me there and i'll have updates there uh, and i also have a etsy page where i sell things because uh pandemic times and jobs are weird so right, you can follow me at shop rogue etsy on instagram and you can buy like cool things like masks and stuff because you should be wearing a mask everyone should be wearing a mask it's this is true. Stay safe out there, y'all. Hot take. <laughs> um, I'm at Gavin Mur- Gavin V. Murray on most things. Don't forget the V like I just did. Um, <laughs> Sage, you can probably find somewhere. Yeah, I'm uh, at Hold for Playing It stuff, but I don't, I don't, I don't care. There's not a lot going. Show- I feel bad now because Krista clearly has so much more going on in her life than I do. While uh, it's I'm just it's, it's for more the of I don't have much going on in real life, so I try to fill those voids with as many yeah. things as possible. I'll have a book of travel musings coming out sometime in the next year. I'll let you guys know. And you can find us. You've already found us, but in case you've forgotten where you found us, we're on most podcast things at Still Good Pod and on Instagram, and we have a website. But you know. It, just find us on spotify or whatever podcatcher you use all right thanks again we'll see you next time i'm a punk rock punk queen brown paper magazine hotter than you've ever seen and everywhere and in between i'm a tent ticket through ride don't you want to come inside a five-star triple threat hardest of the heart to get no one's gonna break our back
can't see that I'm 